Welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Zwans, and today is Monday of the 28th week in Ordinary Time. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. To prepare ourselves, let us acknowledge our sins. I confess to Almighty God and and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. May your grace, O Lord, we pray, at all times go before us and follow after, and make us always determined to carry out good works. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Galatians. The law says, If you remember that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave girl, and one by his free-born wife. The child of the slave girl was born in the ordinary way. The child of the free woman was born as a result of a promise. This can be regarded as an allegory. The women stand for the two covenants. The first who comes from Mount Sinai and whose children are slaves is Hagar. The Jerusalem above, however, is free and is our mother. Since scripture says, Shout for joy, you barren women who bore no children. Break into shouts of joy and gladness, you who were never in labor. For there are more sons of the forsaken one than sons of the wedded wife. So, my brothers, we are the children not of the slave girl, but of the freeborn wife. When Christ freed us, he meant us to remain free. Stand firm. Therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Blessed be the name of the Lord forever. Blessed be the name of the Lord forever. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. May the name of the Lord be blessed, both now and forevermore. Blessed be the name of the Lord forever. From the rising of the sun to its setting, praise be the name of the Lord. High above all nations is the Lord, above the heavens his glory. Blessed be the name of the Lord forever. Who is like the Lord our God, yet stoops from the heights to look down, to look down upon heaven and earth, from the dust he lifts up the lowly, from the dung heap he raises the poor. Blessed be the name of the Lord forever. Alleluia, Alleluia. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Alleluia. Alleluia.
The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. The crowds got even bigger, and Jesus addressed them. This is a wicked generation. It is asking for a sign. The only sign it will be given is the sign of Jonah. For just as Jonah became a sign to the Ninevites, so will the Son of Man be to this generation. On Judgment Day, the Queen of the South will rise up with the men of this generation and condemn them, because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And there is something greater than Solomon here. On Judgment Day, the men of Nineveh will stand up with this generation and condemn it, because when Jonah preached, they repented. And there is something greater than Jonah here. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus says that this wicked generation that's asking for a sign will only be given the sign of Jonah. Well, what the heck is that? I suppose at some point we've all heard that, you know, just as Jonah spent three days inside the belly of the fish, well, so too, Jesus spends three days inside the belly of the earth. Uh, And just as Jonah came from the belly of the fish, so too did Jesus come from the tomb. But to break it down to such bare bones, I think, is to do a bit of an injustice to this sign of Jonah. I think it's a bit like, you know, sort of comparing a stick figure to the Mona Lisa. Like, you know, (laughs) they're just not even in the same league. So I thought what I thought we'd do today is actually to take a look at a couple of the details about the prophet Jonah and to see the power of this sign and what it proclaims about Jesus. Now, first off, remember the premise of the story that Nineveh, this great capital of Assyria, uh, is a pagan city that has fallen into tremendous decay. And Jonah is given the mission by God to go and to preach repentance. And, you know, he's not up for it. He doesn't want to do it. Uh, And so he flees, of course, and hops on a boat and just wants to get as far away from God as possible. But, you know, here's the foolish thing, right? You can't outrun God. So a violent storm breaks upon the boat. uh, And the sailors, they tell everyone on board to get about and start praying to their own gods in order to rescue them. And during the course of the storm, these sailors decide that there's actually someone on board who's been cursed by God, that the storm has been sent in order to crush someone. So they cast lots in order to find out who the cursed one is, and the lot falls to Jonah. So, of course, the sailors go, hey, mate, what's your deal? And he says, well, um, I'm a Hebrew, I worship God, and... He's the one who made the land and the sea. And it's at that point that they freak out and they go, oh, well, if God's the one who made the land and the sea, he's the one who commands it. Therefore, you're the problem. But amazingly, it's not the sailors who take Jonah and throw him overboard. It's actually Jonah himself who says to them, he says, take me and throw me into the sea and then it will grow calm for you. For I can see it's my fault this violent storm has happened to you. We hear that Jonah is willing to suffer death in order to rescue the ones who are in the boat with him. That he's willing to be taken as one who is cursed and cast into the sea of death so that he might be the redeemer of his friends. 
Well, already we can see that Jesus is going to become a sign of Jonah. Well, anyway, the sailors, you know, they keep battling the sea. You know, they don't want to be the ones to throw Jonah overboard, but it gets rougher and rougher. And so finally, yep, tossed overboard. And they ask for forgiveness for having spilled innocent blood. Well, we get that moment of repentance at Jesus' death as well, where the Roman soldier says, truly, this was the son of God. Truly, this was an innocent one. But here's where it gets interesting. And here I'm actually indebted to um, an American biblical scholar by the name of Dr. Brant Pitre. And he makes the point, he says, okay, this is where the story takes a bit of a childish turn. This is why we all know the prophet Jonah, because, you know, we've read about it in children's Bibles, because here comes Jonah, gets swallowed by a whale or a fish, and, you know, spends three days in the belly and then gets spat out on the shore in order to go and to preach repentance to Nineveh. Um... But here's the thing. How can you actually survive in the belly of a fish? You know, what do you do when there's no air? Like, like, does this fish have just this giant air pocket in its stomach? You know, what do you do without food or water for those three days? Sort of camp out, pray the rosary for a little while, and then wait until the fish vomits you out onto the shore? And here's the thing, like the whole purpose of a stomach is to digest what's in it. How did Jonah not get digested? I mean, like stomach acids didn't break him down. Like what? It just sounds such a strange and preposterous story. Well, the point that Brant Pitre makes is that Jonah, having been thrown overboard, that he actually dies. We might imagine that Jonah's just kind of hanging out and waiting for the three days to end while he's in the belly of the whale. But this is what the book of the prophet Jonah actually says. It says, The Lord arranged that a great fish should be there to swallow Jonah. And Jonah remained in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. From the belly of the fish, he prayed to the Lord his God. And he said, Out of my distress, I cried to the Lord. And he answered me. From the belly of Sheol I cried, and you have heard my voice. Now, if Jonah's actually alive inside the belly of the whale, that's going to be a pretty muffled prayer. But listen to where Jonah says he is. I cried to the Lord from the belly of Sheol. Now, Sheol, of course, is this Hebrew idea of the abode of the dead, the place where the dead go when their body is separated from their spirit. And Jonah's prayer goes on. It says, Lord, my God, while my soul was fainting within me, I remembered God and my prayer came before you into your holy temple. Yeah, indeed, that this idea of the soul of Jonah fainting within him is a reference to his death. Uh, And so what we can probably imagine is that, well, Jonah actually drowns, is swallowed by this fish, And then his body is spat up on the shore. Well, anyway, once Jonah's back on the shore, we get this. The word of the Lord was addressed a second time to Jonah. Up, he said, go to Nineveh, the great city, and preach to them as I told you. Now, that word up, that instruction up. It's the same instruction that Jesus gives to the little girl who's died, Remember the story that a synagogue official comes to Jesus and says, look, come, come, my daughter's gravely ill. 
Uh, and in the meantime, she dies. And Jesus and his disciples, they walk in and they hear all this commotion and sadness and sorrow. And Jesus says, oh, look, she's not dead. She's just sleeping. And everyone kind of laughs at him. It's like, look, <laughs> we know dead when we see it. And this girl is dead. And so he kicks them all out and, and then says to the girl, Talitha kum, little girl, I tell you, up. And she rises. Well, that word kum, up, is the very instruction that God gives to Jonah. Up. Go to Nineveh. You need to preach repentance. Well, the great thing from there, of course, Jonah gets up. He wakes up. He rises. And that brings about the great repentance of the city of Nineveh. So when we go back to today's gospel, Jesus says, right, you know what? This is a wicked generation. It will be given a sign, the sign of Jonah. That Jesus here is pointing not just to three days and three nights in the belly of the whale. Jesus is pointing to the fact that he will go into the waters of death and that from there he will rise to new life, that he will receive the command from God up and that from there will come repentance, the forgiveness of sins. Well, the people of Nineveh, they saw Jonah and they repented. In the same way, the risen Jesus becomes the source of repentance and forgiveness for us. At the Saviour's command, and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Let us welcome Christ into our hearts with an act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot, at this moment, receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. And we finish by praying Pope Francis's prayer to Mary during the coronavirus pandemic. O Mary, you shine continuously on our journey as a sign of salvation and hope. We entrust ourselves to you, health of the sick. At the foot of the cross, you participated in Jesus' pain with steadfast faith. You, Salvation of the Roman people, know what we need. We are certain that you will provide. 
so that as you did in Cana of Galilee, joy and feasting might return after this moment of trial. Help us, Mother of Divine Love, to conform ourselves to the Father's will and to do what Jesus tells us. He who took our sufferings upon himself and bore our sorrows to bring us through the cross to the joy of the resurrection. Amen. We seek refuge under your protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our pleas, we who are put to the test, and deliver us from every danger, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.